there's a part that says, is it on Christ? I've never heard this song before. Thank you, choir, for that song. Upon this rock you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we, we, we bind and loose. We proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. We bind and loose. We proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, why will we not fail? For me, that, that's, why will we not fail? It says, we bind and loose. We proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. So with Jesus, we cannot fail. But there are things that I expected of us. You, you know, I think last week we were talking about potentials. If you've got the potential and you don't use it, it's as good as failing. You've already failed. So that which God has deposited in you, what are you doing with it? Because if you're not doing anything with what God has given you, what he has vested in you, you've already failed. It says we bind, we loose, we proclaim your truth. They're, they're all activities. They're all doing things. Thinking, I think my English is not that. I think they call it a verb, a doing word or something like that. You're doing something. We're binding, we're loosening. We're proclaiming. So what is it that God has given to you to use? I think it's my cousin that said that, you know, my enemies should not gloat over me. That if I fall, I will rise again. For you to fall, you have to do something. You know, making a mistake is not a failure. What do you do? How do you bounce back? from adversity how do you bounce back from the challenges that come your way you feel when you refuse to get up again you feel when you refuse to rise up again the challenges will come the trials the tribulations the tests will come it's like someone that does an exam and fails the exam does that make them a failure no but if you fail to learn from the experience that you've gone through and bounce back, that is when you really fail. I pray that God will, God will help each and every one of us to, to be sensitive. Amen. You know, this, this year is a year of restoration, a year of rebuilding. And, it, it, and that is the theme of our conference next week. I'm hoping everybody will be there. I'm hoping to see each and every one of us, you know, at the conference. And I, I want us to come, you know, expectant, believing that God is going to do what he's going to do and what he has in stock for you. Last week, we said that if, you know, there's that saying about potentials that, you know, the grave is where you probably find the most potentials. And I said, I pray that none of us will go to the grave with, you know, full of potentials. Or that will, you know, we'll, exercise everything that God has put in us. So if, we, if we're talking about restoration and rebuilding, that, that makes an assumption that some things may have gone wrong, that some things may not be as they should be. 
If you're going to restore something, that means it's not in its original state. If you're going to rebuild something, that means it's not in its original state. So it's, it's now moving back to that original state and even improving on what was. But again, both restoration and rebuilding, they require us to act, to do things. Praise the Lord. By the grace of God, we've said it, this month is our Excellence Conference Month. And I'll just quickly, I want to share with us something that has been pretty much on my mind. And I, I believe it ties into that song. Like I said, I'd never heard that song before. But we need to be prepared to make a difference. And that's my question to you right now. Are you prepared to make a difference? Are you prepared to make a difference? You, you know, when, when you think about excellence, excellence, like we said last week, can be in different spheres. There are different spheres to excellence. In, you know, in all works of life, we can be excellent. You have to be ready if you're going to, be, if you're going to make a difference. You have to be ready if you're going to be excellent. You have to be prepared. You know, so I, I look at readiness or preparedness as a mark of excellence. Let's, let's look at a few passages. There, there's one passage that every time I read that passage, it really strikes me. And it's Mark 11. Mark 11 from verse 12. Mark 11 from verse 12. It says, on the next day, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seen from a distance, a fig tree in leaf. Seen from a, a distance, a fig tree in leaf. He went to find out if he had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Because it was not the season for figs. Verse 14. And he said to it, may no one eat, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. It says, Jesus Christ was hungry. He saw from a distance a fig tree. The fig tree had leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Verse 14, and he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples was listening. Can, can you project verse 25? I think it's verse 25. The it's not, it's not verse 25. The verse that talks about when you know when they returned and they noticed you know the fig tree had dried up. Verse 20, thank you. It says in the morning, and when and they went along and they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Now this is the interesting thing. Jesus Christ was hungry. He saw a fig tree 
the fig tree had leaves. There was an expectation. There was an expectation that because it had leaves, it would have fruit. That was what Jesus expected. And Jesus went there hoping to get fruit from it. But he got there and there was no fruit. And he said, you know, may no one eat from you again. It says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples were listening. Because at that point in time, even though we're told that it's, you know, verse 13, it says that it was not the season for figs. And that, that's, that's what always gets me. Because it said it was not the season. But Jesus Christ had an expectation. He had an expectation. Even though it was not the season for the fig to bear fruit. But because it had leaves, because it looked, he had the appearance of, what you know, a tree that should have fruit. Jesus Christ had an expectation. And he went there. And when he saw that there was no fruit on it, even though it says it was not the season, he then made a pronouncement that, you know what? No one is going to eat fruit from you again. Because I had an expectation, it seems it's not your season, but there's an expectation I have of you. And you have not lived up to that expectation. Every time, every time I think about this passage, you know, the Bible says we should be instant in season and out of season. I, that's, that's what comes to my mind. That even though there's, there's a season for certain things, there's a time, and that's what the preacher said, that there's a time for everything. But even when we're out of season, are we ready? When it's not that time, if we're called upon suddenly, are we ready? And I, I feel that Jesus Christ was in a place to do this because he himself, he was, he was put to task in that regard. If we look at John chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, John chapter 2, when Jesus turned water into wine, John 2 from verse 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding. A, day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, what business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. So what's my business with you and this? It's not yet time for me. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Even though his hour had not yet come. Verse 6, now there are six stone water pots standing there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two or three measures each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. We know that story. Even so, he said, my hour hasn't come. It's not yet my time. But there was an expectation of him that he had, he had the capacity 
to do certain things. He had the capacity to do the miraculous. He had the capacity to turn water into wine. He had the capacity to make what was non-existent existent. And he said that even though my, my time hasn't come, it's not yet my time. So why are you calling on me? But because of that need, he performed. Because he recognized a, a need in the wedding, he performed. Contrast that with the fig tree. Even though it wasn't the fig tree season, yet there was a need. Jesus Christ was hungry. The fig tree could not perform. And because the fig tree did not perform, it was, it was cursed. It was cursed and it dried up from the roots. Praise the Lord. Are we, are we ready? Are we prepared to make a difference? You know, it's this, this thing about potential. No matter how much potential you have, if you don't exercise it, that is all it is. It's just stored up, stored up capacity, stored up wealth, stored up energy, stored up resource. I, I believe this past week was, you know, missions week. And every time I was in my car listening to the radio, they were talking about how, you know, we, you know, we can engage in missions. And that engaging in missions doesn't mean you have to go to Afghanistan or, you know, Kajikistan or wherever. That even in your own neighborhood, in your own workplace, that could be your mission field. Do we, do we really see that in our daily works? You know, in our daily life, what potentials has God given to us? If, if we're going to excel, if we're going to excel, we need to exercise what we have in us. And we need to build ourselves to a place where we're ready to make a difference. So really, are you, are you ready to make a difference? I mean, briefly, I'll just talk about two people that, you know, made a difference in the scriptures. One of them, we, we don't know the, the name. And I think, like I said the last week, the Children's Week, once again, Children's Teachers, thank you for Children's Week. I really, I really enjoyed it. And it really got me thinking, you know, about how we make a difference. You know, in John chapter 6, we, again, we know this, this story, the feeding of the 5,000. When, when we talk about that story, we'll talk about how Jesus, you know, performed a wonderful miracle and fed. How many people were fed? Trick question. Uh, we always do that in this when we're talking. 5,000 5, men. Be bold. Be the righteous as bold as lions. Speak out. 5,000 plus X. 5,000 plus X. That's the mathematicians talking. The, the plus X could be, you know, the... Okay. Let's, let's read that story. John 6. I read from verse 1. Well, actually, can anyone read for us? John 6, verse 1. Praise the Lord. 
disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that in this, in, with this huge crowd? Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Thank you, sir. God bless you. So men alone were 5,000. If we, if we do a projection, we could argue that if we said men were 5,000, let's say every man was with a wife. Already you're thinking 10,000. Let's say if it was the olden days, you could expect that maybe four children, five children. I think you guys, I don't know what's happening with you all now. So if, if it is this day and age, I know someone is saying, even pastor, even my big sisters, they too, they did too. But yeah, so we, you could effectively be looking at 20 plus thousand that were fed, right? So possibly 20 odd thousand were fed. Now, the Bible says Jesus tested Philip because he knew what he was going to do. I think the, the, the key character in that story for me is, is not just Jesus, it's not just Philip, the boy. And I, you know, the children were talking about you know, making the most of every opportunity, being prepared, Ephesians 5.16. It says that, you know, redeeming the time because the days are evil, making the most of the opportunity, making the most of the times we're in. And I, I, I thought about that boy. Philip said that, you know, the boy has, you know, he's, he's got five, five loaves and two pieces of fish. What difference would that make? And really, in, in the scheme of things, five loaves and two pieces of fish, feeding 5,000 men plus, what difference does it make? It doesn't really count. But I kind of wondered how it is that it was that boy that he saw that he brought food. At least that kid came prepared. The kid came prepared. He planned ahead. Okay, I'm going to go and listen to Jesus. I don't know how long I'm going to be there, but am I ready? If I get hungry, what would I do? Would I have to rely on others? All right, let me, let me just carry my, my bit of things and let me go prepared. The kid went prepared. The other thing about that child is it was generous. Because nothing, and I think, I think as we grow older, God helps us to be maybe more open-ended. Children are, you, you know, you give a child something. I'm not sure how old this boy was. But, you know, even a 10-year-old a child, you give them something. And you ask them to let you have part of it back. And there's, there's often, tell me if I'm speaking something out of, or that you're not aware. There's often a reluctance. And you're like, but I gave this thing to you. Let me have part of it. I mean, what, what, I was, what I did with my kids, I will collect the whole thing back. And I think oh, this, this pastor is a bit strict. 
But if I gave you and you cannot give me part of it, I've done it before. I, I had the whole thing in front of it. Next time. No, don't say, ah, next time if I give you and I say, can I have some? Is it better to give me some than lose the whole thing? Man, I, I will take it so that next time when I say, let me have part of it. In fact, you don't even think twice. You, you can have all of it. What do we have that was not given to us? You know, Christ blessed us and he's, he's continuing to bless us. And then of the blessings, of the abundance that he gives us to, to give a bit, it becomes a challenge. He forgave us everything. To give a little, ah, no, it's not going to be enough. No, I can't, I, you know, even this, this salary of mine is not enough to pay rent. Have you ever thought about it? There was a time I sat on way back and I looked at everything I did and I thought then, if not for God, this income would not go anywhere. And that's the honest truth. Look at how much you do. Look at where you are. Look at who you are. And tell me that everything that it's really a result that the input that you're putting in is what is yielding the output. It is not. But for God. So this, this kid was not only, you know, prepared. It was generous. Because nothing said he had to give up that five loaves and the two pieces of fish. <clears throat> You know, time, time had been spent. They, they were told that this happened late in the afternoon. I think in some versions, I think Luke 9, 12 says that it was late in the afternoon. Mark 6, 35 says it was late in the day. So we know that they had been in the presence of the Lord for a while. The kid wasn't grumbling. He wasn't complaining. He didn't run from church. I, I remember a... There was a year we, we went to church as a family. And some people said, you know, we spent too long in the church. You spent two hours and you said it's long. The service started at 9 a.m. At 3 p.m., my dad got up and left the church. <laughs> at 4 p.m., I got up and left. At 5 p.m., the service ended. But these guys, they, they were in the presence of the Lord till late in the afternoon and the child was still there are we spending time in god's presence not just in the church in our own homes are we spending time communing with the lord are we preparing ourselves because if if you if you talk about a season of preparation you're getting ready for something or you don't, you, you prepare for a season so that you can exercise what it is God wants you to do. There's, there's a Yoruba saying that if you, if you plan to do something for 20 odd years, when are you going to start doing it? And for many of us, that, that is the situation. We, we, the, our season of preparation has been going on for so long. When is that season of manifestation? When are we going to start manifesting 
So God is equipping you, he's building you, he's putting things, he's put things in you to act, you know, to achieve certain things, to do certain tasks. And you're still, you, you know, the potential is there. When are you going to start manifesting? When are you going to start exercising what is, you know, deposited in you? <clears throat> very, very quickly, you know, the other person, David. You know, you think about the young, you think about the young David. He went through his season of preparation. And when the time came, it made a difference. It made a difference. In the first instance, let's look at the story of David and Goliath. Um, first Samuel 17. First Samuel 17, and I read from verse 32. First Samuel 17 and verse 32. It says, and David said to Saul, we, we all know the story. David said to Saul, may no one's heart fail on account of him, your servant. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. So Goliath had been, you know, he thrown down the gauntlet, the challenge. Pick, pick a man, let him come fight me. Whoever wins, you know, wins the day. Rather than everyone battling. He was a giant, he was a man of war. And David heard, David was told to go give food to his brothers. But he heard, I was like, you know, what's, what's going to happen to the person that fights this man? He wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a soldier. But it was like, what's going to happen? They took him to Saul. And this is what he said. He says, but Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight him. For you're only a youth. While he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his flock. Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took her sheep from the flock, I went out after it, attacked it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane and struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. He wasn't a warrior, but he went through a season of preparation, taking care of the father's ship. Lion came. Bear came, he delivered the ship from the lion, from the bear. He killed the lion, he killed the bear. And when it came to the time to deliver the nation, God's own sheep, he was ready. And it was like, you know, this Philistine will just be like the lion and the bear. Imagine if the potential God had put in David was like, oh, yeah, thank God, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a shepherd. That's what he's called me to do. I'm just going to be there. He recognized the, you know, the timing, the time for him to act. And he seized that opportunity. And that, that was pretty much the beginning of what God had in stock for him. So have you gone through or are you going through your season of preparation? Do you recognize the time that God is expecting you to act. My prayer for each and every one of us is that when God is calling on us, 
when he's asking us to move, when he's asking us to perform, we will yield. But it's also to recognize what he wants of you. Shall we rise? Let's just pray. Rise on your feet. You're going to pray for yourself. For you to make a difference, you need to recognize God's timing for you. Because his plan, his purpose concerning you is different from what he has in stock for me. That will, will not work and will not walk by another man's time, by another person's time. But I will recognize what God has in stock for us. That as is, God is preparing you to make a difference, and he has been preparing you to make a difference. Are you recognizing God's call? The timing to make a difference. Why don't you pray that you will not miss God's appointed time for you? The time that he wants you to perform, you will not miss it. That as, he's, as he has prepared you and as he's preparing you to make a difference, to excel, that when he calls on you to perform, you will perform. The grace to make the most of the opportunity that is put in your way. What opportunities is God putting across your path? Do you recognize it? In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We, we thank you, Lord, because of the calling with which you've called each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the season of preparation. Father, we, your word says you make all things beautiful in your time. We pray, Father, that, Lord, when the time comes to manifest, our season of manifestation, that we'll not miss it in the mighty name of Jesus, that we'll make the most of every opportunity that you bring our way, that, Lord, as you've been preparing us, Lord, when it is time to perform, we'll perform to the full extent to which you've called us in Jesus' name, that we'll not hold back but will yield in totality to you, that will be used as vessels indeed, vessels unto honor to your glory, that Lord will manifest, folks will see our good works and they will give glory to you. As we perform, oh God, we'll excel in all that you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus.
We give you all the praise, Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shall we be seated? God bless us.